As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today's podcast sponsor is Spry Therapeutics. Spry is my favorite pillow that I use and love, and it's made with flow form technology that feels like vegan butter. It molds to your shape to help reduce stress and joints. It's perfect for post-yoga recovery or taking a pain-free nap. I use it for reading in bed and sleeping. And you, my listeners, can get 20% off by using the code LITFRIEND at sprytherapeutics.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and we answer. Me and my great co-host, Kristen Williams, physical therapist and lit senior teacher. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. All right, let's get started. Right away, we have Yoga with Elsa. She asked, trying the L shape for handstand drill and every time my back arched, what to do? My first thing would be check your hand placement. You know, are your hands too close? So your butt is going over your shoulders, causing your back to arch. That would be my first guess. Uh, Or are the feet either maybe too high where you can arch your back? Um, So either get a mirror or videotape, videotape. I do that all the time. (laughs) record yourself (laughs) on your uh, phone and just make sure that you've got that alignment. Some people will do like, I like to start in quadruped with my uh, toes against the quarter round, but my heels away from the wall about an inch or so. I feel like I'm set up pretty well. Then when I go up, I am stacked and not arching in my back. What do you think, Laura? I agree. So for everybody that's wondering what she's talking about, it's, it's essentially down dog on the wall where you, are doing a down dog like against the wall and then you walk your feet up and you form an L shape. And 
I think what Kristen was saying is true. Look at your hand placement. Look at your feet placement. If you're if you're too close or too far away, that can affect that. The other thing is to um, bend your knees and really draw the low belly in. So your brain mapping might be such that you're used to kind of collapsing in the shoulders and the ribs move toward your legs. And you want to think about the opposite of that. And that should really help with the low back. It's, it's, it's a lot of different forces at work. So you have to think of the abdominals pulling toward the spine and up toward the pelvis at the same time. And that'll create length in your low back so you're not arching. And if your shoulders are set up well as well, that, that you shouldn't collapse into the rib cage, which would cause that arching of the back. So think about those things. And it might be that you're only up there for a brief amount of time being able to hold it well. So I think it's better to hold it well for a short amount of time and then work on the endurance component of it as opposed to going into the low back and arching. So try that out and you can let us know. Next question, Jessica P81, how to not hunch or tighten while sleeping? I go to bed with okay, but wake up tight. I'm a fetal sleeper. We get a lot of questions about sleep. I know. And I feel like we give the same answer a lot of times. Those body pillows are a great way to, you know, just get yourself where you can still hug, but not have to flex in your spine. So there's like a body pillow, like if you used, if you've been pregnant or your wife has been pregnant, those are great. Um, Or even just a big couple of pillows that you can still get that fetal type hugging, which I think is a natural way for a lot of people to sleep. And then you can also put it between your knees, which will keep your spine in a nice neutral position uh, without getting either that rounding tightness, stiffness in your shoulders and, and hips. I would say all, all of that. Uh, it just makes sure that like, if you, again, want that kind of flex position feeling that you get in a fetal position, which is very comforting and probably, like you said, natural, um, that you have something like a pillow uh, you could even try a bolster, something that is substantial. Usually, another human doesn't always work because that human's going to move. Um, but that you can that you can hold, and they can hold you in somewhat of a neutral spine for most of the night. I really think that's your best bet. Again, we've all all of us have trouble, you know, once we're deep in a sleep, controlling what we're doing. I mean, it's so if you set yourself up positionally with some props it can certainly help a lot. So that's that's what we would both recommend. Okay, this is a non-physical therapy question. Ginny from The Bullock, best parenting advice. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> I'll let you start with this one. Okay, best parenting advice. Well, we both have older kids now. Ginny, I happen to know that you have three young ones. She just has a, a baby, infant, maybe five or six months old, and then a couple, a couple of others. So three total. So I think from looking back at in the position you are in now, you know, just uh, being present and keeping them safe and having some fun in the meantime is, is pretty much what all you can ask for. I think, you know, it's because it's like you have to expend a lot of energy doing that, keeping them safe, watching them when they're, when they're infants, you think it's hard, but then when they start moving, man, it becomes even more challenging because they have that ability to move uh, in a lot of different ways, which you want, and, and yet they don't have the, the sense of danger and, and things like that. So you're kind of on high alert a lot. So I would just say play and have fun. And so you can remember these times that, that it's 
it, there's a lot of joy and play and, and, and just do your best. Like when you're tired, all bets are off again. You know, you're just gonna, you're gonna have these moments where you feel like a real, you know, sh- like you have just a shit day and you uh, might make, you know, not your best parenting choices, but that's okay. Kids are resilient. Just forgive yourself and show up and the next day and also take care of yourself. Best parenting advice is put mama first. That's my number one thing is if you take care of you, you're going to be a better parent. I think that almost goes without saying, and yet many people don't do that because it's exhausting. And yet if you can just do some self-care, some movement exercise, you're going to feel better and you're going to be more equipped to be a better parent. And then all of those, the different stages of of, of parenting changes. So I think when they're younger, it's just like, keep them safe, keep them happy and healthy and, and do the same for yourself. And just know that you're going to, there's more physical exhaustion when it, as a mom, when they're younger, there's a lot less physical exhaustion as they get older, but it becomes more emotional for sure. And so that's again, where you want to take care of yourself so that you can be there for them. I think it's just be that steady, rooted presence. And as they get older, uh, the tendency is to want to fix things and and change things for them when things are going well. And that isn't always going to serve them either. So it's it's also gently teaching them that uh, a resiliency by by letting them, you know, I don't want to say by letting them fail, but not trying to make everything better all the time. They're ju- it's just not going to be. And the best thing you can do is be the safeguard for them when things aren't great and have really good communication skills. As a parent when of teens right now, I think the best thing to do is to listen and shut your mouth as much as possible and just be present um, and you know give give directions and advice and of course boundaries, but those boundaries will be expanding. And so I think when you lay down good foundation early, it really helps. I can say I was just talking to Olivia yesterday who's finishing her gap year program. It's finished and she's staying with a group of them in Hawaii. And she was telling me on the phone, she was just telling me about what they're doing. And she's 18 and a half. It's like she would be in college right now. So it's similar as a freshman in college. And she was saying, you know, that they're, that they're, you know, having fun, like 18 and a half year olds. And she said, I'm so happy, mom, I can talk to you about this stuff. So, you know, some of the others can't really do that. And I think that's another thing is, is being able to remember what it was like and when at that age, obviously, I can't always remember what you're like at five, but you can usually remember what you're like at 18 and just holding space, really holding space. You know, I give her a little bit of advice, but a lot of it is she's already gotten so many of the tools and I'm just there and I want to have an open and truthful relationship so that she feels comfortable telling me stuff. So it's all good stuff. It's not like she's doing anything, but you know, they're um, acting like 18 and a half year olds in college and because they're in Hawaii now and, and they're having a great time. And so I just say the basic things like make sure you get enough sleep, drink a lot of water, uh, don't go out by yourself to, you know, just be smart. And but she already knows it. So it's kind of just like I don't, if you overdo it and you make them feel guilty for for experimenting and having fun at 18 and a half, they're probably not going to end up telling you much. So I'd rather I'd rather have that communication. So that was a long answer. Kristen, anything you want to add? <laughs> well, I, I think I'll expand on the younger years because you and I are the same. We have our kids are all in our other older. Mine, yeah, my youngest is thirteen, oldest is be nineteen next month. But you know, 
you touched on this boundaries. Um, this is going to be a kind of a harsh uh, reality, but kids are not much different than pets and they need boundaries. They need to know, yes, this is right. No, this is wrong. And I think the greatest thing that I did was marry someone who parents like I do. So we always parented together. It was one voice and there were definite boundaries that no, this is not the way you act. And this is the consequence. And no, that's my, it's not going to change. And they respect that because kids, they want to do the right thing. They, they want, but they want to be independent. So they're going to push that boundary, but, and they're going to feel that sting if they get reprimanded, but they'll feel so good when they do the right thing. So, and it's just like puppies. It's just like dogs. It's like, I'm a dog person. So, you know, our dogs, they don't go get up on the couch because we never let them. So that they know that boundary. And that's because that was my choice because I'm allergic to pet hair. So, but, you know, and that we, they learned it at a little age. So it's the same thing with kids. You give them boundaries that then they feel really good when they respect them. Uh, they feel good about themselves. They feel accomplished. And then I do think that carries on later in life where like where Olivia is now, where Betsy being at college, she set her own boundaries of, and she might push them, but, but, but they, they like to follow rules. We all like boundaries. We all like knowing that we're doing the right thing. And so as far as being lit with the little ones, you know, be that mom that the, your kid's pitching a fit in the candy store, then guess what? They don't get candy. They take them and then they're going to, they're never make that mistake twice <laughs> because why? They want the candy. And so you see, okay, if I don't do this, it's, it's, it's really so similar to raising animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they respond so well in the long run. Right. And along those lines, it's so similar to movement. I always say it's like movement is like dog training too. Like if you don't, you know, you know, you got to just not let yourself get away with compensatory stuff when you first realize it's happening. But similar to what you were saying with kids, like also set them up for success. You know, don't take your kid out at 4.30 in the afternoon to, you know, to a place where there's a lot of treats and all this stuff because they are, those young kids are not going to be at their best. So you have to also set, like, I've always, I've seen people dragging their kids around and, you know, again, I'm, we're both lucky we have a partner. I know that sometimes the choice is not there, but there are a lot of people who could who kind of like set at that early age, set them up. Like we, we had schedules and our lives were really revolved around our kids schedule, meaning when they had a nap, when they needed to, when they need to be fed and all those things, because then you set them up for success and they're happy and they're well-behaved. They're compliant because we've set them up for that. And I think that carries on as well because you, you know, you do less of that those kind of that kind of structure, but it's it's already ingrained. So that would be the other thing when they're early is like, you know, I I think the structure, like you said, boundary structure is so important early on, and that might mean you might not, you know, you might not be going, you're not going to take them out to dinner at a restaurant at seven thirty p.m. because that's when they're the witching hour, and and you're going to sit there and you know try and entertain them with your electronics and then feel bad about like like don't even set them up like that just either get a babysitter or just don't go out for a while. We didn't go out. We didn't go out like our, you know, with Olivia for a long time. Oh, so, so, and you're absolutely right. Set them up to succeed. Don't be, yeah, the whole eight o'clock dinner. 
someone invites you for dinner for eight o'clock, you're not going. Sorry, I got three right. kids. Or yeah, exactly. Feed them first, whatever. Yeah, no, you yeah, That's yeah, it. yep, yeah. All right, there's our there's our mother talk, but it's funny because it is it's similar to the other things in life we do as like moving well. <laughs> okay, Kate Kaiser, I'm writing to get your opinion about. Oh, this is another sleep one, but this is about sleep before and before bedtime routines. Do you have any advice for bedtime routine? Obviously put down the phone as soon as possible and any stretches you would recommend. My sleep has really diminished in the last few months and I was wondering, WWLD, what would Laura do? Ha ha ha, I love that. I don't have sleep stuff, but I think that's just, I was you know, kind of always the one that would fall asleep at slumber parties without a problem. I, I think there are people who are just, whether there's more anxiety present or, or whatnot. So I think depending on if you know you're having trouble either falling or staying asleep, there are certainly things you can do to get your you know, parasympathetic nervous system more, more ready. The things I'll, t- I'll, I'll just touch on, and then I'd love to hear what you have to say, Kristen. I mean, I think sleep, they talk about sleep hygiene, and they've done much more and more research about that. You know, setting yourself up, yes, putting your phone down, not having really... A, if you have trouble, electronics in the room is probably a bad idea, period. So maybe get in the habit of reading a little bit. That is always a nice way. It's like an invitation to go to bed. You know, it's not, not like reading puts you to sleep, but it's calming you down. It's getting you um, m- more monofocused. And then make sure your room is dark. It's, it's a good temperature that um, it's not super loud or if you need some kind of, you know, white noise to help. Uh, you want to really get the surrounding and the environment conducive to sleeping well. You could take a hot bath or a hot shower and kind of get your whole body like more relaxed. In terms of yoga moves, you know, people will talk about feet up the wall and those kind of inversions of sorts could help with the the relaxation. Any Anything you would add to that? Well, I'm definitely, I am a person who's, I've had sleep issues since college um, and I've been on and off different types of medication for it. I'm currently off all medications for it, uh, which is shocking to me because I've, I've taken sleep aids over the counter, prescription stuff for sleep, stuff that's not for sleep, but affects your sleep. And Honestly, just recently, I had someone give me a little lavender oil roll-on, and I, in its, they say, put it on your feet for sleep. And so I did that for a while, and still, I didn't. I noticed my feet felt good, <laughs> but uh, just recently, probably the last couple of weeks. So it's literally been about two weeks that I haven't taken something to help me sleep, and I've been putting lavender oil on my chest and. I now do I still wake up? Yes, but my thing is I would wake up and not be able to fall back to sleep. And what a sleep aid would help me do was when I woke up, I would fall right back down. I'm waking up less, I fall right back to sleep. I think there's so I think there is an aromatherapy to that parasympathetic nervous system that, you know, lavender works for me. So a diffuser in your room might might help. But I definitely know that uh, I need to read. I need that. Um, and I do. I have an e-reader, but I have one that will block that blue light. And you know, so it's not giving me those uh, signals. I'm actually, I just wrote our newsletter about um, 
digestion. And it's the same idea. Your parasympathetic is rest and digest. So the same things that you do to promote good digestion is the same thing you do to promote rest, which is deep breathing exercises. So you can do some belly breathing, some meditation before you go to bed can help stimulate that vagus nerve that's going to help you rest and digest. Uh, And then just along your lines, I think running. So for me, I started doing more cardio work, which just got me more, you know, more of the energy out, less wine. So, you know, not getting that sugar stimulation, all of those combined, this is, I'm not kidding. It's been, I've been on something to sleep for at least probably 12 years of my life. And I have not had to take anything really over the last six weeks. I've taken a lot less, but it, the lavender oil on my chest has been something that works for me. So um, that's what I would try. That's amazing when you do find something like that. And all these different things were popping in my head, like you were saying, um, about wine, alcohol, caffeine, water, if you drink, you know, all these things uh, that can either wake you up or keep you from sleeping well. I do think wine can do that. I think it, it, there's something that's happening, but it's the sugar your brain just doesn't quite calm down. Um, you know, it's a depressant. And yet then I think there's almost, you know, there's always a counter. There's always a bounce from the depressant quality of it. So I think really monitor what you're eating and drinking, you know, especially in that latter half of the day. And like Kristen said, exercise, you've got to exercise because you have the opposite of like exercising and revving up is revving down. So if you never really rev up, your body's not going to rev down in that same way. So go back to, you know, I always, um, we had chickens and I remember reading so much about chickens. I didn't know anything about chickens. They were rescue hens and, and it was so interesting to observe them. And then of course, in my studies of the brain, like we, we share some of the very primitive brain, like a chicken. And one of the things is how they get up at sun and go, they go back into their little hut, you know, as dust comes and they sleep. And we have that in us as well. Our primitive brain is very much wired. That's why we feel so tired when daylight savings and all of a sudden it's dark at five and you're like, why do I want to go to bed? Well, you're, that's your natural inclination. That is hardwired in there. And then we do all these things to, to kind of fight it. Now, I'm not suggesting go to bed at five, but know that if you get out in midday and you get sunlight, the stimulation into your um the eye neurons, they know they that is passed on, and we we know like okay, that's when we register our biological like our our biological rhythm. So if you don't get outside enough during the day, your brain is also confused about if it's right if it's the right time to sleep. So I'd say make sure you get out and get some sun sunshine, even if it's a cloudy day. You're just getting out into day, natural light. Exercise, 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 and then just all the other things. The other. The last thing I would say is there is a lot going on in the world and in our minds. And, and so we go to bed sometimes with that. So if you feel like it's something that would be helpful and you're churning through some ideas, write it out, write like in a journal. Some people will do that in the morning as well. They do. It's called morning pages where you just get up and it's like a dump of whatever is in your subconscious, but you can do that at night as well. So in a way that you're getting it out and, and not having it sit in your mind and you're sifting through that as you're trying to sleep. So, well, 
here we go. All these great ideas. Well, that's it for this podcast, but we have a lot more to go. So tune in next week. We have, we always have great questions for you and you are always welcome to write us. You can write me at laura at lityoga.com. You can also find us on Instagram and leave messages for Kristen there. She's kbwilliams99. Thank you, KB. Always so good to talk to you. And it's KB. Somebody said Katie. No, it's KB because her middle initial is B. That is her maiden name, Barnett. So thanks, KB. I love you. You're welcome. Love you too. Thanks, you guys. Pulling for you as always.